Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing Line. I am so proud to announce that Human Weapon Clothing is the new sponsor of Top Turtle MMA podcast. I love these t-shirts. Think of it as the anti-tap out. Think of it as the anti-Reebok. You're not going to be embarrassed to walk around the mall wearing a Human Weapon t-shirt. They are clean looking. This ain't like a tap out shirt where it looks like a giant tattoo on someone's t-shirt. It ain't like the boring ass Reebok fight kit. The colors pop. The designs are chill as fudge. These are clean designs. I really like them. Head on over to humanweapon.com. Enter in promo code FLOW. That's F-L-O for 15% off your first order. Gumby, what do you think of Human Weapon, our new sponsor? I love them. I've got a couple of their shirts myself. I wear them all the time around the place. And they are by MMA fans for MMA fans. They are MMA fans first. And you might even see some fighters that we've had on the show wearing their gear because they sponsor Lauren Murphy, who's been on the show and is on The Ultimate Fighter, and Sugar Sean O'Malley coming off his big win on the Dana White Contender Series, who will be debuting for the UFC coming up soon. They're the anti-tap out. They're the anti-Reebok. This is a great company to support. Head on over to humanweapon.com. Use the promo code FLOW, F-L-O, for 15% off your first order. Human Weapon Clothing brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, which starts right now. Dave and Dan with FlowCombat.com's Top Turtle MMA, and we have the pleasure of speaking to Darren Till, who fights cowboy Donald Cerrone as the headliner of Ultimate Fight Night Gdansk on October 21st. Darren, you're 3-0-1 in the UFC, but most of your opponents have been kind of, you know, under-the-radar type names. What was your first reaction, and, and what do you think about your first big name being the UFC's poster child, pretty much, cowboy Donald Cerrone? <laughs> I got you. Yeah, uh, I wasn't surprised, no, because... I, you know, I know I haven't fought uh, big names in the UFC, but uh, you know I've been beating all the guys pretty easy, and I'm still, you know, I'm beating them. I'm, 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 you know, in England, I'm classed as like the next guy, the next big thing to come out. So I feel like this this cowboy fight's a big test. You know, they, they want to see the real Darren Till if if they can make a star out of me. If I'm the next, if I'm the real deal. So you know, I wasn't surprised, no, but. I saw, a little bit as well. You know, it's a good Cowboy's such a huge name. Darren, you just picked up a win in early September, this fight with Cowboys mid-October, so about six weeks apart. What was the thinking in taking a fight on such short notice? Was it obviously, I mean, a great opportunity to headline a show and against a big name in Cowboy Cerrone, but what went into that decision? I'm just always ready to fight, just to be totally truthful. I'm, like, if I'm not injured, you know, in a way that I can't fight, I will fight every month if, I, if the UFC let me and I'll fight anyone I've always said I will fight any cunt <laughs> you are like the British cowboy Cerrone I mean he's made a career off of fighting anyone <laughs> any month and calling people cunts <laughs> <laughs> the difference with me is though I will I'll go stay to the top and get that belt but yeah you could so you could compare me with Cerrone <laughs> You know, so uh, let's talk about this, too. So the UFC does seem to be toting you as, like, one of the next big things. They're willing to mix you up in there with pretty much their poster child here. But at the same time, they don't even have you ranked as a top 15 welterweight. Does that bother you at all? Do you think about things like now, that? Rankings mean shit. It doesn't matter. The only thing I want is that belt. So I'll be Cowboy and I'll be the rest. And they, I still don't want them to put me in because I don't care about them. Lincoln. I want gold. 
So, so I, I almost think that this is a silly question at this point, just because in, in two minutes of talking to you, I've already got your answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So uh, Tiago Alves pulled out of his fight with Mike Perry recently uh, in their fight in Pittsburgh, and you got right on Twitter right away, said you would fight Mike Perry on pretty much no notice. Were you, you, you had to have been serious that you, with a Cowboy Cerrone fight already booked, you were willing to step in on like three days notice and fight Mike Perry. I would have fought Mike Perry on the Saturday. I would have knocked him out on the Saturday. And then a month later, I would have also knocked Cowboy out. That is exactly how I was thinking. I 1 million percent would have took that fight. Wow. So did, did you actually get a hold of uh, anybody in the UFC and offer to take that fight? Or was that just something that you could put online and just hope the, it fell into the right person's hands? Well, when I finished training and someone had tweeted me, Darren Till should take this fight and then I seen that Thiago Alves, Alves had pulled out so I said I'll take the fight but then someone also tweeted me saying no he's got an opponent it looks like but mm-hmm. by then I, I had actually messaged there's a girl in, in the London offices for UFC and I just asked her nicely you know they found an opponent for Mike and she said I think so so you know it was left at that but mm-hmm. you know it was one of them it was just to prove that I will fight anyone because you know some people were probably saying oh He's just, you know, selling wolf tickets, but I weird. I would have fought Mike Perry on no notice. That's wow. the truth. Yeah, so <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about if you were able to take that fight too, because you've, you've said in the past that you're huge for the 170-pound division and that that's one of the reasons why you feel that you're so dominant. Uh, what do you currently weigh right now, and, and how difficult would it have been to get anywhere near 170 pounds in three days? Well, right now I weigh around 195 because I've had a good week of training last week. You know, my weight's getting a bit low. But uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it would have been a crazy, crazy struggle to make 170. So maybe they could have made a catch weight, you know, a few pounds heavier, maybe two kilos heavier. But, you know, I would have done everything in my power to fight Mike on Saturday because that's what what legends are made of. Mm -hmm. You know, legends are made of that shit. You'll take fights on two days' notice. That's what legends are made of, and I'm a fucking legend, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got a buyer here. Now, I've got to ask one more follow-up question to that weight then. You said your weight's coming down, and it's down to 195. What do you weigh when you're just walking around outside of training camp? About 290 pounds. <laughs> Only joking with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't really usually like to check my weight. But I'd say about 210, 215. I'm, I'm, I'm a scary gorilla. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is just massive for a welterweight. Uh, now, a lot of people might not know this. Despite being from the UK, uh, you train in Brazil, or you have trained in Brazil for years. What's the benefit of being in Brazil and away from home? Uh, what might be some of the harder parts of that? Mm, well, that's the benefit. Uh, that's actually the, the best benefit, being away from home, being out your comfort zone, you know, meeting new people, not being able to speak the language, you know. Uh, you, you're like fresh meat. It's like if you ever go to a new academy, a new gym, the guys, you know, they're looking at you as fresh meat. So that's what everyone in Brazil was doing. So with me, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm fresh meat, am I? We'll fucking see about that. So it's, you know, do or die. Yeah, absolutely. Now, again, going back to this uh, fight night headliner against Cowboy Cerrone, you know, a lot of fans, I think, were surprised to see your name, but then maybe they look you up and they're like, oh, wow, okay, this guy's legit, but you're not that household name yet. 
what's something you would tell a fan about yourself that they might not already know? Let's let's play get to know Darren Till for a second. What might okay, fans not good. know about you? Fans need to know that Darren Till is just a normal guy, you know, from a working class family, you know, who, 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 who's grown up the past 14 years and fighting. And, you know, he's chasing a dream. He's humble. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a nice guy, but I'm on a course of destruction to, 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 to be the greatest fighter of all time. But, you know, behind all that, I'm just a nice, nice dude, you know. I, I've got time for everyone. I'm humble. I remember where I come from. So, you know, if fans want to, you know, that's just it, really. What got you into fighting initially as a as a youngster? It's like, you know, I, I played a bit of football. I was always getting into fights on the street. And, you know, my dad took me to the local gym. And, you know, I just loved hitting bags. And I've got, like, a sick obsession for getting hit in the face and, in the face and hating people. <laughs> so, like, you know... <laughs> You could also, you could probably say I was put on this earth to fight. <laughs> wow, that, that's awesome. Who do you like growing up as a fighter? Did you watch the UFC growing up, and, and who were some of the guys you looked uh, up to? I watched UFC, I watched boxing, but I don't look up to no man, no one. I, you know, I respect every fighter who fights, but I don't look up to no one. <clears throat> Love it. Well, Darren, you have found two new fans here in Dave and Dan at uh, Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We can't thank you enough for the time. We we definitely want to get you back on after this fight. Darren fights Donald Cerrone. I'll make you a promise. I'll make you a promise. When I win that belt, I'll be coming on your show to talk about it. So, you know, that's all good. All right. (laughs) Pinky swear. I'm going to hold you to that promise. Darren fights. Hold me. Send me a message. (laughs) Bye-bye. Will do. Darren fights Donald Zeroni on October 21st. Thank you so much, Darren. Best of luck in the fight. So that was Darren Till on Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And that interview was brought to you by another new sponsor to the podcast. I'm talking about Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery makes some badass beers. You can check them out at deadfrog.ca. If you are a beer drinker, you are going to want to get into their Steel Toe Lager or their Green Magic IPA. The Steel Toe Lager, which I downed a few of last night, let's just say hard work pays off. It's a refreshing lager. It's brewed with the finest ingredients known to man. Or if you're more of an IPA person, the Green Magic IPA is crisp, it's juicy, it's an IPA packed with citrus. You can check out both those beers at your local beer store. I highly, highly recommend them if you are a beer drinker. Dead Frog Brewery brought you that interview with Darren Till. Gumby, what did you think of Darren Till? Ah, Darren Till, hilarious dude. Uh, vulgar is all hell, too, which I uh, I sort of appreciated. It's almost like a marketable quality, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think he has something going for him as far as being like the British cowboy. He wants to fight anyone and everyone. He wants to fight all the time, and he's just a guy who's kicking ass, taking names. You know, it's funny the way a lot of MMA fighters try to come off with that persona of like, oh, I'll, I'll fight anyone <laughs> yeah. and fight everyone and very few actually really pull it off i think it's very easy to see through it and i gotta say just when we were talking to him i actually genuinely think obviously people they have to market themselves a little bit it's the fight game it's the Mm -hmm. fight business business being the key word but i don't know i kind of believe him when he says this shit i bought every bit of it and you know what i found myself asking while that interview was going on is like how the hell haven't we gotten like some killer 
quotes from him being interviewed by Brian Stan or Joe Rogan yet at this point in his career? Because I feel like have, have we just never had a Darren Till in-ring post-fight interview? I can't really recall that. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I mean, for a guy who's headlining a show against Cowboy Cerrone, I, we've talked about this before, the marketing of the UFC, and I really think this has happened since the William Morris buyout, I mean, I don't know. Should there be like a special on Fight Pass right now? Who is Darren Till? I mean, I would watch the hell out of it after that interview just because he sounds, I mean, he's, he's so jacked up for that fight and he's so real. And uh, I just think fans are going to latch onto him when they meet him. Very excited about that fight. Very excited for the emergence of Darren Till. Let's go around the uh, league, so to speak. Let's go around the MMA world. And I wanted to start with this. Dana White last weekend was at the Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin fight, and uh, I thought that was a little weird because the UFC was in Pittsburgh at the same time. You had Mike Perry knocking another fool out. Mike Perry, to me, this could be like your next Connor. I mean, the power he possesses in his hands, he's pretty funny. I know he's maybe not the brightest bulb in the shed, but... This is a future star. Why is Dana White not at UFC Pittsburgh on his social media blowing up another brilliant Mike Perry performance? He's off at a boxing match in Vegas? Yeah, and so I know he's always been a big boxing fan, so I guess there's some of the excuse in that. And and he has missed shows before. You know, it should be noted, but it's usually when they have, like, back-to-back nights with shows or if it's in, like, an international place where he's like, doesn't really want to go. You know, it's in, like, you know, somewhere in Scandinavia or something like that. He dodges that one. But this is the first time I've seen him, like, fail to go to, like, a pretty well-populated place, a place where he could blow up and do a show every single year. And, yeah, I guess this fight's supposed to be historic. I I guess I'm, I'm not a big enough boxing fan to really know. But yeah, man, that what a what a weird taste that we've. Do in your you mouth. think Dana White is on his way out? I've thought that since William Boris bought it. To be honest with you, okay. Uh, I, I've thought since they bought it, they were going to use him as sort of a transfer piece so that they could get to know the business. Though, because because let's be honest, nobody knows it as well as him and the Fertitas. Of course, he knows the fight game better than anybody. But at the same time, like they want their own shit. I mean, they fired a whole bunch of UFC staff almost immediately and brought their guys in. It, it, it would only make sense if they're working on trying to find a way to get him out. And, and, you know, he doesn't have that same passion without being with his boys anymore either. Yeah, so that all being said, I could definitely see them getting a figurehead. I think I said this to you earlier, like a guy who just missed out on the Roger Goodell job from the NFL, a guy who missed out on the Rob Manfred job from MLB, the commissioner of MLB. You know, someone who is classically trained in the art of corporate bullshit. And honestly, I don't think it would be the worst thing for the UFC at this point. I think Dana White, for all the passion, he brings to the game and I do think he keeps his fighters in check maybe that's a problem maybe it isn't I don't know but I think the UFC could use a figurehead who's kind of bland and corporate and someone who supports the fighters because I can't remember what writer brought this up on Twitter but out of the 11 champions like six have problems with the UFC that's not I just don't think that's healthy for the sport you look at what happened with Amanda Noon she missed weight over uh in the July card and then he's saying like bullshit about her like Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the heart of a champion or he's talking shit on her you just don't see that in any other sport the tearing down of their stars yeah I agree with that too And, and people have problems with Roger Goodell too in the NFL. People have lots of problems with him. But you'll notice all of those problems are decisions he made behind closed doors and not what he came out and said to the public or what he fucking tweeted. You know what I mean? No, like, right. It's kind of almost amateurish or like juvenile the way that people hate on Dana White because of that. 
you, you more or less need somebody. I think you're right, like Roger Goodell, who's going to make the hard decision behind closed doors. People are going to hate him, but he's definitely not going to throw gasoline on the fire. Uh, agreed. So Cain Velasquez hasn't trained in a long time. They say up to eight months. What do you make of that news? Oof, that's uh, that that means I, I would say that's very scary news for Kane because I, I I don't think it's smart to come back. And fight. wasn't he supposed to fight Stipe like a short while ago? Well, I think I mean, there were rumor, rumors. Yeah, right? the rumors. I don't know that ever but, came. But if he's not, if he hasn't trained in eight months, I mean, I don't care how hard of a camp he's coming back to. That's some scary shit. Who I will say that's awesome news for is Francis Naganu because mm. to me that tells me sign him and Stipe up for a fight right now because Stipe is gonna. At some point in time, finish this contract shit out, and he's going to need a challenger, and there's nobody more exciting right now than Francis Naganu. So that's who you'd want to see, Stipe Naganu? Yeah, I, th- I think you have to. I mean, JDS and Overeem haven't earned another shot, either of them. So uh, to me, he's the only logical contender in there. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. I don't know. I would. I, I think if Kane, I, it depends on when Stipe wants to fight. If Stipe can't fight until January, February, if Kane could get back in there right now, you know, three, four months of hard training, I, I'm fine with that. But if it if that's not the case, and let's face it, it's probably not the case. That's Kane. He gets injured all the time. Then yeah, sign me up for Naganu versus yep. Stipe. Uh, what else? I mean, is there anything else really going on? How boring is is MMA right now? Uh, I don't know. A little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news for. The- the welterweight division this week. Uh, Matt Brown announced his retirement or his intentions to retire after the Diego Sanchez fight on Twitter. Uh, I- I'm going to kick it to you for one time. What do you think of uh, Matt Brown deciding to walk away now? Yeah, that's fine. He's never going to be champion. He was a very fun fighter. Um, it's sort of sad a, to see him go, though, right? A fan favorite? Sure. Definitely sad to see him go. But if he's getting out with his you know brain mostly intact, and he was, again, he's... I mean, here, let me kick it back to you. Is Matt Brown a future champion? No, definitely not. No. So he was close, though. At one point, he was close. He had the uh, number one contender fight against Lawler that did go to decision. That was a very close fight. It could have been him fighting Johnny Hendricks. But then you look at what happened when he did fight Johnny Hendricks, and that that was not a pretty fight for him. He spent most of the fight on his back. So you look at him. um, He will end his career uh, going into his last fight. He's 20 and 16 as a pro. He had 12 knockout wins, six submission wins, and only two by decision. Yeah. That's a fun fighter right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and on top of that, too, you know, you mentioned his record's 20 and 16. It feels a lot like Randy Couture's 20 and what, or whatever Randy Couture's record was because that dude was damn near close to 500 by the end of his career, too. But he fought all of the killers. And that's really, uh, I think, what Matt Brown's legacy is. The dude had fun fights with fucking everybody in that division. He made his UFC debut, uh, well, obviously on the Ultimate Fighter show, and then on the Ultimate Fighter finale, he beat Matt Arroyo via TKO, and then came back at UFC 88, his pay-per-view debut in September of 2008, and lost to Hung Kim. Let's talk about who you think his best win was. Is it Stephen Thompson by decision, Wonder Boy, or... I think it actually just is Stephen Thompson. I hear the other names. Jordan Mean, Mike Pyle, and Tim Means are all good guys, but not... I would say the most impressive thing he did, though, was though he closed the distance on Stephen Thompson, which nobody has done before or since. You know what I mean? Like, crazy. He he got in on Stephen Thompson, and he took him down. Like... 
Yeah. Johnny Hendricks didn't do that. He beat Pete Sell at UFC 96. Yeah, that's that's some old school name right An there. Old school name. Pete Drago Sell. Um, <laughs> I would say Stephen Thompson is the biggest win of his career. Yeah, for that, sure. That, hey, that's and a good one to have. As far as best performance, though, I would also say, you know, if you were going to show a fan, hey, who is Matt Brown? You show him the Eric Silva fight where he got that rib kick early and mm-hmm. came back to win it. I, I'd, I'd show him the Robbie Lawler fight, too, man. That was such a fucking good fight. That was a good fight. That was a good fight. I would say worst loss was Johnny Hendricks because yeah. that was then he was on two losses in a row to Lawler and Hendricks, the two former champions. And I just don't think he ever really recovered as like a he never made it back to that like top five title. You know look. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So the good news here too is mentioning Robbie Lawler. Let's uh, let's kick it to about another welterweight who's fought Robbie Lawler coming back or at least. Coming back via Twitter this weekend was Carlos Condit, who uh, tweeted at Joe Silva that he's ready for a fight in December or January. Who do you want to see Carlos Condit fight next? Yeah, I did some thinking on this, and I definitely want it to be someone up and coming. I want it to be a young fighter. So what about what about Mike Perry? That's exactly I mean, we just who fucking talked with, about yeah. Mike Perry. What violence would Carlos Condit versus fucking Mike Perry be? Yeah, that'd be great. I think Mike, that, that would be my answer right there. Why? Who did you want him to face? I, I mean, I like that fight too, but there are other fights in there too. I'd watch him against, uh, you know, somebody who stylistically would be an interesting fight. Like, I'd love to see him fight. Like uh, Colby Covington, who's an up and comer, I'm fine with and that. And that would be a really weird. F- I know Colby's booked with Demian Maya, so that that's probably why that's a no go. But I, I think your pick of Mike Perry is not a bad pick either. I mean, that's that spells violence all over it. Fight of the night, fight of the year, fight of the century. I'll give. I mean, this would be another one. You know, you could match him up with Gunner, I guess, ranked number eleven, oh, or Santiago Ponzinibbio, who just beat Gunner. Ranked that's a number, fun fight with a young nine. dude. Yep. And then I'll tell you two others. I you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing him against Masvidal, and I wouldn't mind seeing him against Dos Anjos. Yeah, those are... Oh, Dos Anjos. I keep forgetting. Uh, although, uh, you know, with what Dos Anjos just did to Magni, I have a tough time believing uh, Condit's going to stay off of his back. Uh, wait, repeat that? With what Dos Anjos <laughs> just did, did to Neil Magni. Magni. Mm-hmm. I just imagine if they get if he gets matched up with Carlos Condit, he's going to do the same thing to Condit. He's going to put Condit on his back and beat the piss out of him. Oh, uh, I disagree with that completely. Oh, really? Yes. No, yeah. okay. Magni, well, Magni's so awful on the ground. I mean, yeah, but but think about how easy it was for Demi and Maya to. And granted, it was Demi and Maya. Maya. Yeah, it was Demi and Maya, but it it looked pretty easy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I do not think. Debate RDA, in case it comes up. We'll remember that okay. one. In, I do not. I, but I just want to sum this up. I do not think that RDA would manhandle Carlos Condit. Oh, I, I do. So we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree yeah, on this that, one. Oh, that's crazy to me. All right. Well, anyway, anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it from the MMA world this week. All right. So now let's break it down because there is just a shitty fight card this weekend. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's actually on Friday. So. <laughs> By the time this is in your ear, you will be probably watching it or getting ready for it. All right, so we'll do this quickly, Gumby, and this fight breakdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the world's thinnest, strongest, most lightweight mouthguard. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink all of the mouthguard in your mouth. Sisu Mouthguard brings you this fight night breakdown. Uh, head on over to SISUGuard.com. Find the right mouth guard for your sport or activity, if I fail to mention that. So it's Fight Night 117, Gumby. St. Prue versus Okami. How excited are you for this fight? I just can't believe somehow this wound up being Yushin Okami's re-entrance to the UFC slash 
his re-entrance to the headliner's position. Because I don't know if you remember, he headlined against Anderson Silva one time in his life. So Shogun was supposed to be the uh, the actual main eventer. He pulled out. Why did Shogun? He had a it? knee injury. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they they broke out Okami out of mothballs, and that becomes your main event. Could not be more just disenfranchised by the whole thing. Saint Prue minus four forty favorite. Okami a plus three ninety dog. Who you got? You gotta have Saint Prue. Do you know Okami's last? I want to say five fights have been at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Welterweight. He lost to John Fitch at welterweight. Hasn't moved up in weight. Now he's a light heavyweight fighting Ovin St. Peru. Don't get me wrong. Ovin St. Peru is farther down that ladder than Fitch is on his ladder. Mm-hmm. But it's two weight classes. It's 35 pounds. And St. Peru's a big fucking 205-er. This should be violent and it should be quick. And I think OSP's all over him. Yeah, absolutely. Claudia Gedalia versus Jessica Andrade is, to me, the best fight on the card because it has the most uh, title implications for 115. They're both former title challengers. They obviously want to stay on the winning side of things. Gedalia, the minus 270 favorite. Andrade, the plus 248 dog. Who you got? I, I got Claudia Gedalia. I, I think she is as close to... Joanna Jan Jacek is anybody in that division gets. If Joanna defends her title a couple of more times and moves up to 125 like she's kind of teased, this is Claudia's division. And I think she's head and shoulders better than everybody else. It's one, a little space two, and then everybody else is down at three, four, five, six, seven. And it, her grappling and what she did to Joanna in the first two rounds is what I expect her to do to Andrade here. And she's going to take her down the first couple of rounds wear her out and make it so she's got no punching power for round three. I could not agree with you more. Phenomenal assessment of the 115-pound division. It's JJ, it's Gedalia, and then it's everyone else. Let's look at the rest of the fight card. Why don't you give the fans, because you are uh, MMA nerd supreme, you are the king of MMA nerds, Jon Snow. Give us a fighter to watch out for, or give us a fight you think will be a banger. I'll give the odds on it. Okay, so you definitely got to watch Teruta Ishihara versus Rolando Dye. Uh only because I say, for the most part, you never miss a Taruta Ishihara fight. Um, he, he's so much fun to watch. He's got huge hands that just knock people out. You don't see featherweights with that kind of knockout power on like the mid-level of a card very often. Ishihara, the minus 150 favorite. Die, plus 145 dog. Yeah, and plus you can, you'll can you probably get a freaking phenomenal post-fight presser from uh, Taruta Ishihara where he talks about his bitches again, which if you've never seen before, look it up. Uh, the other fight I'm looking forward to is uh, I like Olka Sasaki versus Husei Formiga. Um, Sasaki's a huge dog in this fight, but his grappling is on point, and Formiga always grapples with people. Sasaki, a plus 355 dog. Formiga, a minus 400 favorite. So I, I don't even hate Sasaki as like an underdog pick there just because his grappling's so sharp and he pulls submissions on anywhere. He submitted Justin Scoggins, which is pretty damn impressive to me. So uh, that's a fun fight to watch. Um, and then apart from that, you got a couple of people making their, their kind of crossover fights. You got Gokhan uh, Sakai, who is a famous kickboxer. He's 0-1 in MMA. Uh, but, he, you know, people are making a big deal about his transfer. I don't know much about the kickboxing world, but people are, are raving about his fight with Henrique Da Silva. Um, and then the other one you got who's kind of a crossover star is Siuri Kondo. It's, she's a professional wrestler with like a billion professional wrestling fights in her career. And uh, she uh, she's fighting Chan Mi John. Uh, Sakando is, uh, or Siri Kondo, a minus 110 favorite. Chen Mi Jian, a plus 100, I guess, dog. Uh, really and, even. And then, uh, Saki is a minus 170 favorite. 
to Henrik De Silva, the plus 160 dog. Yeah, so uh, close fights there, but both should be exciting with the, the newcomers coming in as favorites. All right, well, there you go. Another great episode in the books. We thank Darren Till so much for the phenomenal sound bites. Uh, we'll be back next week breaking down Fight Night Japan, breaking down all the latest news. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on flowcombat.com. Thanks so much for listening.